Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Callbacks and Paper Jams. My name is Thomas Times. Thomas Times, there you go. I do not know how to speak today, apparently, but you guys already knew that. Um, I've got another wonderful guest. Everyone say hello to Gabrielle Gulledge. Hi, Gabby. How you doing? Hello. I'm how good. How are you? Today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a beautiful Sunday. I'm happy. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it'd be nice we're if here, we could... We're alive. We're here. We are. You know what? That That is a fact. And mm-hmm. we could not be those things. You know, we just have we, to rejoice and be glad in it, as yeah. the say. So, As the scriptures say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Gabby. I've been trying to get you on here for a minute, and I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. So here we are. <laughs> in full effect. So, so Gabby has actually a really interesting kind of trajectory of becoming a creative. So Gabby, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because... Gabby actually um, started acting in college, but she didn't actually go to college for acting. She did something very different. So Gabby, can you talk a little bit about how that transition worked? Because it's actually a really interesting story. Yeah, so um, I am originally from Chicago. Um, I did, I actually did theater all through high school. I was doing student runs. and Oh really, did, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did, oh, I did student runs, I did, Poetry. I did like slam poetry. We we had louder than a bomb in Chicago. This okay, time out just, then. You know what? Gabby has been a creative since the jump. I thought it was your adulthood that you were doing it. I don't know why I didn't know this part about you. Well, I because I don't talk. I don't talk about it. Like that's not. I say I did it in college because I'm like, well, didn't everybody do theater in high school? But I was a theater kid in high school. Like I did six characters in search of an author. Um, I remember one of one of the plays that I did. But anyway, um, I got to college and I, I went to school and I got my bachelor's degree in business administration and then I got a master's degree in accounting. But every free elective I had and any spare time I had, I was in the theater department. So I did dream girls. I did dream. I wanted to do theater so bad that I wasn't originally I think I was ensemble in Dream Girls, which I still was, but through someone's like um, stepping out of the show, I ended up in the Stepper Sisters. So I was in the opening of the show. So then my mama had to fly down from Chicago to see me in the show. <laughs> so, but while I was at Hampton, I did student runs and I understudied and I did Dream Girls and um, I did play, I did a play analysis class. Um, we had a great uh, guest lecturer and um, yeah. And so I went full-time into public accounting and I spent two years, two interesting years there. And um, <laughs> I actually, what tipped me off to go back was A, my unhappiness, but B, I submitted for the HBO writing program that they have and they do it every couple of years. And I submitted and my script was crap, but it felt good. That was a good reason to be up till two o'clock in the morning. And so I quit and I I went on sabbatical, but my lease was up and I packed all my stuff and I went home. And then when my sabbatical was up, I quit. Um, And I started taking screenwriting classes at Second City. And then that led to doing a show acting at Second City. And then that led to acting classes and getting an agent and being seen for shows in Chicago. And then I moved to LA and I've been uh, thugging it out here for the past almost two years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's so funny. I knew about the the latter half, but I'm still, my mind is so blown about the high school thing that I never, that we've never picked up on that. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm actually, I'm actually a creative who like, I guess because I enjoy money, 
and I and I mm-hmm. and I have a fear of being poor oh, that wow. I Preach. that I did, I did I did this thing but 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 the funny thing is, is that my mother is an accountant but she's a creative she loves fashion she was a model in the 80s and so she was like I when I said I was wanted to come home and do theater she was like come home I don't know why you did this in the first place you don't like math so, <laughs> Our parents know us so well. They do. They really <laughs> that's do. That's funny. Gabby, that's really funny. I think, um, so how me and Gabby met is really funny. We um, we met and then all of a sudden we spent like a whole month together, like nonstop every night via Zoom. Gabby is actually one of the stars of Reunited that's going to be coming, that's going to be dropping this year, I promise everyone. I got a little, um, we got a little sidetracked with another project that just came out, A Love Like This. I'll plug it at the end. But we're going to, once we're done with that, we're going to jump back into Reunited. Um, yeah, and Gabby's actually one of the stars. She's got a really, I would, yeah, she's got a fun part. Yeah, Ch- Cheryl's interesting. Ch- Cheryl's an interesting little, little critical to the, yeah, to the a little, progression. Yeah, she, yeah. Little but we'll talk about all that later. I don't want to give, we can't say anything without spoiling it, so. Nope. <laughs> but Gabby's yeah. really fun. Um, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to bring Gabby onto here was because, um, Gabby has been working on improving her craft as being a writer during this pandemic because acting jobs are so far few in between right now. And one of the things that us creatives are having to do is practice the skills that we can do on our own. And writing has been one of the skills that Gabby has been practicing and I've been practicing as well. So I really wanted to bring Gabby on today and we're going to really get to talk about what mindset you have to be in to be a writer. Because I think it's a very different mindset than you have to be in when you're directing or acting or anything it's really it's a it's a really interesting space and I don't really know if a lot of people understand what that's like let's jump into it so um Gabby I think my first question is when did this whole passion for you being a writer come from because you've always been a creative as, mm-hmm. as I just learned and as the audience learned but when did the passion for you being a writer where did that come from I actually well I, I'm a pretty prolific journaler mm, um okay. And I've been that way my entire life. I, I collect journals um, and I, I still have most of my journals from, from my probably preteen through teens. I have all of those journals. That's um, cool because you get to look back at like where you were. Where, are they all like dated and everything? They're dated every, they're every day. And I'm very, I'm very, I was very thorough about like what, like the, the imagery and like what happened, what proceeded before and after my feelings on the matter. Um, I was very, I, I was very dramatic also. So it, it was in there. I imagine it's kind of like Moesha-esque where she would like, how she used to start and end every episode. Yeah, <laughs> it was 100% like that. It was 100%. I actually have a journal that I just finished that is, that I just completed that journal. It actually, I started that journal in 2010. So, because I don't write every day. So I, it was, it was when the big stuff would happen that like during college and stuff, cause I had a lot of friends, I had a lot of people to talk to cause I'm an only child. So mm-hmm. in college it was different. And so I was a really prolific journaler. And then um, what happened, I think was that when Scandal debuted um, in the second season of Scandal, uh, there's gonna be a spoiler, spoiler alert for a note for someone. I honestly, it's Scandal. been almost eight how long is it? It's been almost 10 it's years. It's been eight years. You don't know what's happened. Eight years, whatever. It's, if you it's, don't know what's it's happened. too late. I just thought I'd say that for the people, you know. But so in, this, in the second- Don't feel bad. If they get it spoiled, they deserve to have it spoiled. That's wrong. 
Um, Fisk gets shot. The president gets shot. And everybody's on Twitter and they're speculating and like, they're like, I think Melly had it. She was right there. Like she had him shot. And I was like, I think Verna had Fitz shot. I think I remember I think that it, episode. I remember. Yeah. yeah. I think I watched that. I don't know if I watched that one live though. Yeah. I don't think I watched that one live. I think I watched that one when it came on Netflix. So I don't think I got to do the week to week speculating, which is, which is hella fun. But I don't think yeah. I could do that. Oh no, I was a big Twitter person. I was a big scandal person. Shonda's retweeted me. Bellamy's tweeted me. Like it was like a, it was like a, it was a badge of honor for me. But I had been watching. Black Twitter, that was the heyday of Black Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Black Twitter is still in its heyday, so I can't say that was it. Black Twitter is going to be alive forever. But that was was one of the peaks of Black Twitter. That was just after, well, I guess really, really in the beginning, we had to text a tweet. Do you remember that? Like when you had to text to 40404 to tweet? That was okay. Let me tell you, I just got a Twitter less than a year ago. I think I got my, I think I got a Twitter in 2000. It was November of last year. Oh my gosh, I've had a Twitter since 2009. I think I know. I feel like I missed out. There were so many things. I'm glad I had it during the election and basically all that stuff because that's how I was learning. Twitter kept me alive during this election because there would be nights where CNN was like, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. But then Twitter people that were on the ground would be like, well, 18,000 ballots just dropped in Atlanta. They're all democratic. And I would be like, oh, thank God. And then two hours later, CNN would say the same thing. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, Twitter kept me sane. Mm -hmm. And me and Gabby had both gone viral on Twitter and been on the shade room. Just saying. It is true. It is true. I did end up that's happened to me a couple times that happened to me with the shade room I ended up in a BuzzFeed article um about I was just watching um the parent trap and I was tweeting through it and my initial tweet got like a hundred or several hundred thousand seven hundred thousand likes and then it got several dozens of thousands of retweets and then they put in a BuzzFeed article and then like all hell broke loose so but anyway Twitter, so Twitter uh, famous. How many I, followers do you have on Twitter? Twelve hundred and some change. It's not even like a stupid amount. It's just those people no. just yeah. And that's Twitter's really weird. I don't know how it yeah. works. I don't like my one tweet about the no fly list. I literally have no idea why it got big. It just did, and I was like, I've got twelve followers. How did this happen? Because it was funny. That's why. Yes, but I still don't understand the algorithm. I mean, I understand it because if it's on the, if there's a popular hashtag, people can see it. But just mm-hmm. the number, the, yeah, how Twitter works is stupid, but it's genius. It's, and I'm, yes. I'm like, cool, great. And, and yeah. you can't like go out there setting, you can't go out there thinking you're going to go viral. No, you can't. That can't be your intention because then yeah. like people can, people on Twitter, because Twitter is actually kind of the wild, wild west. Yeah. And so people can sense like when you're not being authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's not the place to like, people are gonna be like, like this you bruh, they will call up your old yeah. stuff. They'll be like, As, are, are you doing this for the likes? You, are you, Twitter savage. Are you, yeah. I, okay, I, 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 yeah, I wanna see how you tie this all together. I call, I, I everybody was like, I think it's Melly. I think Melly had the shot. And I was like, no, it was Verna. Verna had the shot. And people were like, wait, why make did you s- think that? I'm trying to remember why I thought it was Verna. That, I, I was her, try- finding out that it was her came out of nowhere. It, I was trying to think about, I think, I, I studied Shonda Rhimes. 
And I had been, by that point, there had been several seasons of Grey's Anatomy, there had been several seasons of private practice and Scandal didn't play towards what you thought would happen. It always did something that kind of, that you were like, wait, where did that come from? Yeah. So I thought, who were the, wait, where would that come from characters? Well, and it so would be Cyrus. It, it would kind of be Cyrus. It would be, but Cyrus loved Fitz too much to do that at that time. Well, yeah. <laughs> at that time. <laughs> that time, yeah. Ho it, it would be Hollis, but then you were like, ah, Hollis That's too has, obvious. That's too it's obvious. too obvious. Yeah. And Hollis has too much money to do something like that. It was, it was too, it was too wild. And then I was like, well, Verna's dying. And there's this- We know this, by then she was, well, we knew she had we, cancer. Cancer. We knew she had cancer and she, I want to say that we knew that she wasn't getting better and, and she'd had the cancer for a while. She was bald and she yeah. didn't. And so it was like, well, Verna, you, there's this, you know, kind of thing that happens when people are dying where they, they want to get stuff off their chest. They start trying to make peace, like that kind of stuff. And I was like, for her to be a Supreme Court justice and to have done the things that she did to get that Supreme Court justice seat and for that to be weighing on her towards the end of her life, I was like, I think it's Verna. And people were like, I don't know if it's Verna, like Bl Blasey Skip. When it was Verna, then my mentions lit up with like, tell Shonda we said, hey. So I thought, okay, wait a minute. I'm studying stories and I've always been like this. I was a pro prolific journaler, prolific reader. Um, maybe there's more to this than me just liking stories. So I started um like researching different links and finding like scripts like at that time just like a couple of scripts that I was interested in and then I wrote something for HBO for their HBO writing fellowship and I worked on it and I obsessed about it and and then I sent it in and it was crap but it felt good and so I was like this is a thing that I think I would do and at that time I was like well, I'm not gonna go into acting I'm not gonna go back to acting. I'm not gonna do that. I don't think. I don't think. I don't know. But, but actually, sorry, I skipped. I skipped a thing. When I graduated from grad school, I had six months before my job at my firm started. So I had sketched out a plan where I was going to work at a restaurant and bank money for my move. I was going to take improv classes at Second City, and exactly. I was just going to see if I could get some stuff under my belt before I went to Charlotte. And and maybe I wouldn't go. Maybe I would be so in love with it that I I decided to stay home and work it out. Mm. Um, so that was the first attempt at going back to being a creative, but I punked out. So with the HBO <laughs> thing, when I submitted to HBO, and I was like, this this script you know, it's not great, but this feels right. Then I was like, okay, I think I may need to start making a plan. And so that was that year I, I started making a plan while I was still shopping for a house in Charlotte. It was like, I had one foot in each life. Mm. And so the, the thing that happened that kind of sent me over the edge was I had sat in a house and I went to take another walkthrough and show my mom like on video chat. And the house went under contract while I was standing in it. And so I, yeah, like they accepted a contract while I was touring the house with my realtor for the second time. What? So what? I hate, it, oh, buying a home yeah. is the most stressful thing ever. And the worst thing you think could happen will happen. Those, and those people do not care about you. No. They just care about getting it, a household. Yeah, it's trash. I, I had went so far as I had gone the night before to like Lowe's and priced out like some basic kitchen upgrades that I could do. Cause it had like four mica countertops and white 
appliances, which I cannot abide. So. Okay, time out. You're not going to shade white appliances right now. Do not Nene leaks me. At that time, those those appliances were old. They were old white appliances. Do you remember when that episode of Real Housewives where Nene... Was it her- <laughs> It was that episode, and I'm going to say this out there. I've never admitted this on this podcast. Real Housewives is my guilty pleasure show. That show is so stupidly hilarious. And sometimes if you just need worthless stuff to watch, not worthless, sorry, just stuff that doesn't take much brain injury to watch, watch Real Housewives. It's funny as hell. There was an episode back in the day where Nene took Kenya on um, – a tour to buy a house and she walked into the place where Kenya was staying and she goes oh is that a white refrigerator and I was like wait she goes oh the uh, she was like oh not a white refrigerator and I was like wait is it bad to have a white refrigerator and I and ever since then I look at my fridge and was like oh stupid I think we were at least doing black at that time and Kenya I think more about that more more so about that was that Kenya was always seemed like she was talk about what she had and she was just that in the third and she had white appliances and and and, and she was basically that. saying like the math ain't math but and i get that but i just didn't realize that i was going to be shaded on national television for having a white refrigerator that came right at your neck and and you didn't even and i didn't know i and this was like years later and i was i was just looking at my fridge just in shame i was like oh no you caught a stray, but that wasn't personal. It, it was, though. No, no, guys. <laughs> don't try. It was personal, and she meant it. She said it with her chest that time. She did. And it's she okay. really, really let's, did. Let's go back to more important well, things. So, so my house... You so also shaded my refrigerator, too, but it's okay. okay. We're going to move past that. I'm sorry. Keep I'm going. sorry. If it makes you feel better, when I move, I'm moving into my own place in, in March, okay, um, like me and my roommate are separating, and so, or April, and so I'm looking at places with white appliances because LA rent is... Um, atrocious um so my stove and my stove and microwave are black and silver if anyone cares we're, we're moving away from the white appliances so you upgrade it i really we're think you should to. focus on the on the good thing um so <laughs> gabby's like why did i agree to come on to this show <laughs> i don't mean to be shady so um <laughs> So the house goes under contract and I, it's like, it knocks the wind out of me. And I'm like, I can't do this. I need to take a break. And I had been watching that house or a different, or a different, there were two houses that that kind of happened. And I had been watching to see if the contract fell through. And I was sitting at work one day in the break room and the TV was on, no one else was in the break room, but I was watching that house and it got quiet except it hadn't gotten quiet. The TV was still at the same volume, but it got quiet. And I heard this voice as clear as they say, you're going to have to let go of these dreams in order for me to take you where I want to take you. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus. That was, well, that was loud. That was a little unnecessary. Learning that was a little theatrical <laughs> lord. Um, but I, I heard you. I called my, my aunt that's like, um, she's a reverend. Um, and she was, I was like, does this sound, she was like, yeah, girl, that was, that was God. He was telling you to, to get your things ready. So I decided to get my things ready with the, at that time I had just signed a new lease at my place and I had 10 months left. And so I decided to start getting my things ready because it was time to move. So, yeah. So then after that, you moved back to Chicago. I moved back to Chicago. I started taking, um, screenwriting courses at Second City Chicago. I, there was a, a, a black um, teacher there who hit, he had written and shot this pilot for Comedy Central that went pretty far. Nice. Um, and he was a great teacher. 
Um, I also had a crush on him. And then um, I started, it was kind of like I was acting and writing simultaneously. So like I would submit to a couple fellowships, but I realized that I loved writing. I was, and writing also was a means to an end for me in, in a certain way. So like, I love writing, but you have to be able to create for yourself. And so as an actor, and so if I can create something for myself while creating opportunities for other people and use both of the gifts that God gave me, then lady for me. So. No, that's dope. I feel like um, you hit on something really important there with the whole idea that as an actor, we have to be able to create for ourselves because a lot of the times people, a lot of the times people are waiting for the next opportunity. Well, sometimes your opportunity is waiting for you. Yes. And sometimes if the opportunity is not out there, you have to go out there and go get it or go make it yourself. I've said that before on here. And I think that wasn't something I realized until this past couple of years, because I was so tired of just seeing the same stuff. And I was like, well, if I'm seeing the same stuff, I have to create other things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as simple as that. If you don't see something, make it. Make it. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like you enter, do you feel like that's the space, that's the idea that you use when you write? Yes. Um, I think that I am much more precious with my writing than my acting in the sense that I'm more confident in my acting than my writing. And so I hold my writing like close to the vest and I, and I really obsess about it a lot. But my goal is always to tell these bigger stories that I, that I haven't seen told that I want, that I feel like people should know about. And I feel like it's it's a great way to meet other people, to bond with other artists, whether it's writers or actors. Um, and you never know where people are going. Like I thought about um, us because of our friend, our mutual friend introducing us. And then you have, you know, you're making a film. Were it not for her, were it not for she and I keeping in touch after Hampton, this, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I admire about you, which I told you uh, yesterday, the day before, is that you create, you, you came out swinging and you keep going. Like you, you came out with our film and then you have your series and you're creating this space for, for actors to be. You're creating a space potentially for writers to be down the line. You're like a baby Tyler Perry. I hope you're taking that as a compliment because that is how I mean it. You're like a baby Tyler Perry. Okay. And my Um, bank account's like a infant Tyler Perry. Not even. And and that's okay. And you know what? That's totally okay. Not even infant though. It's like a, like a in vitro Tyler Perry. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay. And that's okay. (laughs) And that's okay because Tyler's somewhere. (laughs) Because I, I, we all saw. I saw. I remember having bootlegs but of Tyler's plays back mm-hmm. in the day mm-hmm. and, and then when Ty- Diary of a Mad Black Woman hit and I was like oh we're about to go off oh I remember just I bought him. I remember I bought um well not I my mom bought we bought um I Can Do Bad All By Myself the DVD mm-hmm. Family Reunion Class uh-huh. Reunion Goes uh-huh. to Jail all mm-hmm. of those plays by all of his stage plays who would have thought he'd be the richest man in Hollywood who would have thought who would have thought who would have thought that like, well, I, don't yes. know I don't know, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I've seen him. I've seen 
two plays you live. <laughs> I'll call you out, but I won't. But I bought, I, I, I think I, I own Diary of a Mad Black Woman, a legit copy from the store. Okay, um, I saw two plays live, including the last one. Oh, you I gave me last... more money than I did. Okay, then never mind. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We, 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 we did. I pay... Tyler has my monies. Oh, also, you, you, you all were down south, so he, so he went around this. Oh, wait, no, you're not from down south. You just went to school down there. Yeah, from I'm from Chicago. Did you go to Chicago a lot. Yeah, he's oh, okay. his his show every year would come to air. Well, every every time he had a show, coming to the Airy Crown Theater in Chicago. Yeah, because so. he would go to. He always went to the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and maybe the Oakland somewhere in Oakland. But I ne he never came to San Jose, so I never really went. But mm -hmm. um. Yeah, and it's really funny. Um, another friend that I, I kind of know him, Gabby knows him really well. And, and our friend who introduced us, Gabby, he actually worked for Tyler Perry at one point. Yeah, he, so, like, so yeah. he was, he, we weren't, I've known him since Hampton. We were yeah. in Dream Girls together. Um, he was the fresh, hot thing when he came to Hampton. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was dope. Um, he's a wonderful actor. Very much so. Yeah, Terenzo's good. Yeah, you um, got to see his Jimmy Early. Come Midnight. Yes, check oh, him out and come midnight. The season one is on YouTube. I think season mm -hmm. season two is coming out soon. Apparently, yeah. the source is coming out soon. So I'm on her. Yeah, Jade, this is a shout out for you. I know you're probably, yep. you may not be listening, but if you are, actually, I know you are. When you listen to this, know that people are waiting for Come Midnight season two. Yeah. People are waiting. We're checking our clocks. On the clock. <laughs> But um, the thing that I'm really liking about this right now is because I'm, I didn't realize that your writing comes from a place of you into storytelling. I thought for, and I'm like learning new things about you as we're talking as well, which is, which I love. I thought the writing came from a passion of you wanting to act, which I think is interesting. Cause that's where mine came from. And then it yeah. developed into something different because I, I, I wrote because I, I had to just because mm -hmm. I, I was just in positions where I had to create my own stuff. Um, like in high school and stuff. And then with church plays and stuff and there wasn't material. So I just had to write it and I wrote it because I had to, but, um, but when it came to reunited and when it came to the last couple of projects I've written, I've done it to tell a bigger story to your point. That's, tells a story of something that isn't told before. And like mm -hmm. right now I'm really focused on telling stories of um, black love and, and the black experience and those stories that are often ignored in media. But in the beginning for me, it was just, it was a means to an end of just getting a chance for me to get to perform things, but now it's different. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I thought that's where you, and I thought that's where yours came from. And I love that you're more interested when you got into the writing was more about the overall storytelling aspect and that mm -hmm. put you in, which I really, which is really interesting to me. I really dig yeah. on that actually. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been, the first thing that I wanted to, the first story I remember wanting to tell was, um, there was a book that I still have in my house today that I've had since I was 16. And it was the first story that I'd seen for black teens, a black romance story, a to all the boys I loved before, before that book existed for black girls. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing that I wanted to tell. And I still hold that story um, close to me, especially because I've met a couple of people that are like, hey, what's going on there? Um, so I hold that book close to me because I, I wanted to see, I don't remember 
seeing a romantic comedy for teenagers for me from a film perspective. They didn't exist. They didn't exist and they kind of still don't. Mm -hmm. So it's like I, when I look at the two other boys movies that I, I freaking love and I watch them like I'm a teenager, I'm like, I want to see that for some little brown girls. And boy, do I have the book for you that came out of Detroit and no one, you know what I'm saying? No one knows about it. Um, But I mean, that's a look at Bridgerton. Shonda did it. What's stopping you? Shonda did it. What's stopping me? I love Bridgerton so much. I can't watch. I'm, 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 we're going to, we got to talk about why I won't watch that offline. I'm not going to say it here, but we can talk about why I won't watch it. Okay. I've got overall issues with it, but we'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. But look at what she did with that story though. The story was popular, but she really just kind of took it and just ran with it. And now the book is huge. Queen's Gambit's the same thing. It was a book that was super so old. No one really cared about it up until Netflix. No, well, people He had been working it. on that story for like 10 or 20 years. That and he had been and trying studios to get that. kept turning it down and then he kept changing mm-hmm. it. Because timing, it's about timing. It's, mm-hmm. it's not always about the story, like the, the something's wrong with the story. It's just that you're trying to tell the story too early. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about um, Aaron Sorkin's, uh, I, I forget the name of it. Uh, Big Short. S- Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, the SNL-esque show. He has a show that ran for one season um, that featured several, it, it's, a, it's a murderer's row of talent. He's got a couple people from the West Wing, but like when you look at the cast, Columbus Short is on there. Um, Sarah Paulson is on there. When did this get made? It was immediately, I want to say 2006, 2007, because it premiered the same year as 30 Rock. And because it was a one hour drama about about an SNL-esque show and they had 30 Rock, Rock, they went with 30 Rock and they canceled that show. But the show was just ahead of its time, I feel like. And so it's all about timing. Did it have the um, the West Wing Sorkin shot where they have a bunch of people walking? The walk and talk, yeah. That's my favorite shot in all cinema. And I can't wait to not be filming with a Zoom camera so I can do one of those. Yeah, you can do a walk and talk, yeah. Those are, so, are still lit. It's so good. And when I finally realized what it was, because I was watching the West Wing, I just got into the West Wing a couple weeks ago <laughs> because I wanted to see how a real, I wanted to see a real president work while before Joe Biden got in. So I wanted to go to- um, Preach. TV because that's the only place where they existed for the past yeah. four years. But yeah. um, uh, I was I was studying, I was just studying that story. And then, then I did some research about that shot and how he uses it and everything that I started realizing how many projects I've seen that have that same type of shot in there. And, and then basically something he's coined. I thought it was genius. There are so many people that I feel like they either admit it openly or I feel like were inspired by Aaron Sorkin. Like, Shonda Rhimes will bring up Aaron Sorkin a lot. Shonda also, when you when you start watching the later seasons of The West Wing, you're gonna see a lot of overlap to Scandal. You're gonna see a number of people. Jeff Perry comes up, Josh Molina came, I think from there he did Sports Night and then he went to Scandal. Um, you're going to- Interesting. Those are, those are just a couple of the people. Bellamy Young is in there, blonde, there wow. blonde, doing a guest wow. star on there. Interesting. Yeah, um, and so, and, and and I think there's a character on West Wing. I think Josh Molina's David, I think David Rosen was a character or some off-screen yes, there is some, there's somebody named Rosen on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so there's so many people that I feel like that they 
not improved upon, but they, there are little bits and pieces and they took that and they made it their own thing, which I also think is the beauty of a really good work. Well, it's interesting because you have to, you can't, with what I've noticed about his writing style is he writes very, it's heady, but it's relatable. And mm-hmm. not a lot of people can do that. Not a lot of people can present really abstract topics like a war or like um, trying to get a bill passed and mm-hmm. make it so that normal people understand it. Because if you were to ask 90% of Americans, they would not be able to tell you the exact working model of getting a bill passed, even though we all watch Schoolhouse Rock. It also doesn't work the way it works in Schoolhouse Rock anymore. Exactly. There's, not so anymore. Much, not anymore. there's so much yeah. difficulty between everybody. So Exactly. There's so much contentiousness now. It's totally different. But that's like the framework of what it is. But most people do not understand that. But when you watch a Sorkin show, they're talking about it in a way that's still big, but he makes it so relatable and understandable that you're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. And it moves so fast, which is so, he's such an interest. His writing styles, not a lot of people can really touch him on that. No, it's it's him. There's um, Shonda with Scandal Speak. There is Amy Sherman Palladino with Gilmore Girls and with um, the Marvelous Mrs. Meisel. They also have that speed talk thing. Yeah. And then I want to say that the Good Wife, t- the Good Wife has kind of that process. But the Good Wife, though, those people are those people are stupidly so talented. That was one of the so best shows on TV, and they are yeah. the kings. They are so yeah. good. That husband and yeah. wife pair. And so the good, good fight is bomb too. Yeah. Like it's very rare that it was very clear that they ended the good good wife because she wanted to dip. Because mm-hmm. you could tell with this show, they they still had story in them. Because the good wife was good for seven straight seasons. There was never yeah. a slow moment on that show. Do you yeah. remember the episode where they um oh spoiler for the good wife? Do you remember the episode where um Carrie and Alicia leave um, Lockhart Gardner to start their own firm. The hitting yeah. the fan episode, one yes. of still one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. I will never forget Will sweeping oh. that stuff off that <laughs> off that desk. Josh Charles is so amazing. I'm- He's so good. And then when he looks at her and goes, uh, "No, you were you were um, I forgot what he tells her, but he says you were like poison. Yeah, you were, you were poison. poison. You were, oh yeah." And she's just like there. Then he goes, guard the door. Do not let her go. And then mm-hmm. she's like on the phone talking to them. It was such a good episode. It was so like good. That is what I aspire to be as a writer because mm-hmm. that just wasn't, yes, those are great actors. But at the end of the day, that's a story and a script that was strong. Yep. yep. And that's what we have to be as writers. Because mm-hmm. we can write, because a lot of the times I felt like in the beginning of my writing career, I felt like, oh, the actors can take it and make it their own. But as I've grown as a writer, I've realized that you have to give them your best and you can't rely just on the actors. The you got to put the meat on the, on its own. Yeah, you got to put the meat on the bone in order for them mm-hmm. to eat it. So, mm-hmm. Ooh, that was good. Say that again. You got to put the meat on the bone in order for them to eat it. And you know what? Sometimes I think to add on to that analogy, I, I sometimes expect them to bring their own meat to the picnic. That they'll put their own they'll season it their own yeah. way they'll add a little they'll add a little salt a little cayenne a little hot sauce on it but mm-hmm. you got to put the meat on the bone so mm-hmm. that they can eat it and then there's people like viola davis they'll bring you some side dishes as well but, she'll bring some delicious potato salad yeah yeah and maybe some macaroni and cheese if you oh if yeah you it's gonna be good black bottom because she brought all the sides for that movie but um but um it's so yeah and i think i've realized that when i really start studying um, shows of that of that nature where um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, that you, it really helps push me because I re I, yeah, it, it forces me not to be complacent with my writing, which is a really hard thing. Cause I, I'm, I wonder if you've ever been there where you're like, oh, this is great. I don't know where else to go. Or no. even if you don't think it's great where you're just like, I don't know where else to go. Um, no, I never think it's great. I think that my- I feel, I feel you there. I feel you there. After the month, just like, this is not, but this, this is, is not great. Is. But this is um, what it is, so I just have to give it to you. And well, I think that, I think that I'm always like, this can be better. That's what always, that's what I always think is that this can be better. And I get, I have to, I'm, I know I'm never going to see the whole picture and I have to repeat that to myself sometimes, but I, I have to see just a hazy image of where we're going and I've got to be grounded in a good place in order to get started. And so I'll rethink I will, I will always be rethinking or sometimes rewriting it from a different perspective if I feel like the perspective that I've chosen isn't the, isn't the most, isn't the strongest. Like right now, this idea that I've been struggling with that I finally found my way into it this morning and I've been sitting on this idea for four years. Um, I finally found a way in, but I've written two or three different outlines um, of the pilot for this series, just separate outlines, taking it from what if the main character is this, then write the show around her that way. If the main character has this profession and she's from, and we're writing it from this time period, looking back, then what is, how does that story write itself? What does it look like? What are the, what are the, the benchmarks there? Um, so I'm always, I never think it's great. I always think like, I can do better. And maybe that's the problem is that I overthink and think that I can improve on it. I can improve on it as opposed to, to letting it be what it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's a problem because I feel like I'm always the same way. Like I just, I like my, um, my series is done and I look at the story and I'm like, okay, cool. It is what it is. But in my mind, I'm always like, oh, it can be better. I mm -hmm. can make it better. I could have changed this. I could have changed this. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where we are as creatives. I don't think as creatives, we're ever like, oh, this is, that was everything I could give it. Mm -hmm. I feel like in, in moments we had that, I gave it everything I could, but I think we also acknowledge that that's not everything I could have given. Yeah. Because when you look back at things, you're at a different place because yeah. especially with writing, it goes through a process and then it, it's ideally going to get made into something else and someone's going to do something with it. The director is going to direct a piece, is director is going to direct actors to perform it and then an editor is going to put it into a thing. And then when it comes back to the writer, you're at a different place when you see it again, because it's in a mm -hmm. different place. And you can look back and be like, okay, wow, I'm seeing things I never saw before. So yeah. I think your mindset is 100% correct because most writers and most creatives I know in general, they're never fully satisfied. Mm -hmm. Never, not ever. I'm, I'm, that's okay. But sometimes, yeah. but it's also okay to sit back and be like, wow, I did a good job and still acknowledge that, oh, it could be better. There's nothing yeah. wrong with the, those two existing. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Do you? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little deeper on what something you just okay. said earlier because I think a lot of people find themselves there. Why do you? Why are you often in a place? Or you know what? Let me rephrase that. How do you get out of that mindset where you're like, oh, this isn't good enough? How do you push yourself out of that? Because you can't live there. No but sometimes you, you take up, you're there, like your Airbnb there um, 
for a minute. Um, sometimes I have to tell myself that I'm telling the story. So whatever choice I make is the right choice. That's it. And so if I, if I like today, I said, you could tell this story from any, from any of the three outlines that you've done, you could tell the story. But today, the outline that you're, that you're writing today, the, the perspective that you're taking today seems to have the most legs. You have the most confidence. So sit there and tell the story from where you are. Right, I, I wrote this on a post-it note a few weeks back and I felt like I had done something. But right from here, right from here. Like right from this moment at this moment that you're standing at, start writing. Um, and so I have to tell myself to stop. I have to shut my brain before it starts spinning. What if, what if, what if, what if, and say, stop. This is good. This is a good place to start. Start from here and actually outline the story and then see if it looks good. If it looks good, then stay there and write the story from there. If you feel like there are problems, then adjust the problems. If you feel like this isn't the right point, then you can revamp it, but you've got to have something on the page. You've got to have something on the page in order to change it. So, and just say that, you know, it's my story. I can tell whatever story I want. So this is the right choice, this choice that I'm making in this moment. I've had that exact same moment and I've had to tell myself, I don't know if I said it as eloquently as you did to yourself, but I've had to say something in, in that same realm because it's hard when you're the one creating a story from scratch. It's, mm -hmm. I, um, I've never adapted a story before, so I imagine there's different struggles that come with that. But when you're creating a story from scratch, you're often going to be like, no, that's stupid. Why would the character do that? But then you mm -hmm. think, I made the character so they can, they can do whatever can do I say. Do whatever they, they want. Yep. As long as, I think with storytelling, you create rules. And as long as you follow the rules, you're golden. No matter yeah. what type of story you tell. And that's the thing that we forget. And we're trying to be like, oh, no, that's stupid. My character wouldn't do that. And a lot of times, yeah, they would. You made them. And if, yeah. they, if they stick with the, if they follow the rules that you've created, if they fit with their character, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think about, I think about the final, circling back to Scandal, I feel like the final season of Scandal, season six and into the first half of season That's seven, cool. Olivia went dark, That's right? Annoying, yeah. And so people had a problem with that. And I kind of had a problem with it, but is there a, what is in Olivia's character that would make her go dark? Well, Olivia might go dark if she felt like she was saving the Republic, if she felt like she was protecting Melly, she would do things or she was protecting herself or she was protecting Fitz or whatever. She, there, there's a wider latitude she of things that she- in season five. So I mean, clearly- She, she killed a man who it. sold her, who tried to sell her into like slavery or to her so death. Like, so- she, she clearly has a dark side, people. It was- She protect, and she was protecting herself. Yeah, and so it was yeah. like, what would Olivia do to protect herself? Was that darker than we'd seen Olivia? Yes. Was that a deviation from the, the white hat character that we saw in seasons one and two? Yes, but things had been done to Olivia. That had that been had very different. That had been very different. And mm -hmm. so as long as you're staying within the realm of the person that you set up, I was just, I was just watching Shonda Rhimes' Masterclass and she was talking about, she had a section on killing off characters. And so she talked about well, Derek's- the master of anyone's watched Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yes. And so she was like, she was talking about Derek Shepard's death in particular. And she was like, you know, Derek wouldn't leave Meredith. 
And so in order to stay true to the love that they had in the relationship that they had, he had to die because Patrick Dempsey wanted to go. So he did have to die because he couldn't, he wouldn't just leave Meredith and his kids. That didn't make sense. He couldn't just be off screen, never to be seen again, or to just be talked about. Like we, like they talk about Christina and, and you, the only thing you've seen is the back of Christina's head at Derek's funeral. You, you can't do that with Derek. That's not in keeping with who his character is. So if you think about, I created this person, is this in keeping with who that person is? Can I find a reason by which the person would do these things? My person that I made, do it. Yeah, and, and a lot of the times we as creators are so are battling with ourselves because a lot of the times you also try to think of it from an audience perspective, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I try to think when I write something, if an audience is seeing this, is it relatable to them or does it make sense to them? Because I always try to think about, for me, what's the worst thing someone could say about this story? And mm-hmm. I try to make sure I can cover my I can cover my ass from that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. I might be weird when it comes to that. No, no, I think that makes sense. I also, I, I will always sometimes um, caution against thinking for the audience or or having them be in your brain. I, I, I know what I, I, sometimes when I'm writing, I'm like, what do I want reviews to say about this show that I'm writing? Like, what do I want them to say about this story? So what do I want them to have taken from it so that that informs how I write the story? But then I think about audiences are so fickle. You have your black Twitters, like Twitter is like a hellscape sometimes. So you have to be careful how much you let the, the metaphorical audience affect what you write, but you do have to think of them in like, are they going to catch this? Because it, it's got to make sense outside of your head. Which is very, which, yeah, no. Which is what you're saying. I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with you and saying like, I, no, no, I, but that's I also- a good, No, no, I, you know, that's a really good push because you can't, because if you're so, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to justify your work against the world. Because that's mm-hmm. all, at the end of the day, you're the one who's going to put it out there. Your name is on there. If mm-hmm. a thousand people hate it, you still have to be able to stand back and be like, look, but I like this. But I'm I like proud it. of this. This is my baby. And I made this thing. And this and that. And sometimes that's all you have. And you have to be mm-hmm. able to stand on that. And if other people hate it. So what? Who cares at the end of the day? Everybody's not going to. Everything is not for everybody. Yes. And I feel like that's the thing that's hard to get to as a creative, but we all have to be there. Whether you make pottery, whether you're a writer, director, actor, anything, you have to be able to justify your work at the end of the day. So as a writer, if you create a story, no matter how, no matter what the characters do, no matter what they say, you have to be able to justify that for yourself. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I imagine most writers want to please audiences, but that can't be all that you're after. Yep. Especially people who write TV and film, like you, if you're not, you can't write a show that's exclusively dedicated. Yeah. You can't write a show that's exclusively dedicated to fan service. Exactly. Uh, What Game of Thrones did. Star Wars. Not with that that ending. I think they thought they were giving the fans what they wanted. No, they didn't. They did not. They did not think that they, they, they were, they were, they were pissed at George R.R. Martin and they didn't know how to land, land the plane because they didn't have any material. They didn't have any material. They just knew the ending that they needed to get to, which I'm still curious about if that is the ending that he told them. Okay. Let's talk and about he, this then. Okay. okay. So, so yes, I agree with you 
to add on, I also think they were trying to jump shit because HBO said you, this can go on for as long. You can have more. Sorry. Would you like some more episodes? Exactly. We, we HBO, more I'm sorry, and I'm, I can't say this as if I was in the room. The rumors are circulating that HBO was offering them unlimited money and unlimited time to finish the story. They did. But That's they known. said, no, we want to no. finish it in seven. No, eight. Eight. Eight seasons. They said they wanted to finish it in eight seasons. Gave, um, HBO was like, you can do whatever. They said no. And then they also were already in contract with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to jump ship from Game of Thrones, jump on ship to Star Wars. But then once Game of Thrones crapped the, be- crapped the bed, they yeah. got dropped from Star Wars. So it kind of screwed them over. Because you really don't come back from that because people are pissed. People are pissed and it's 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 so wild to me because I was like, this is a they that it for them to make Daenerys into the mad queen and Which we all saw coming, but we saw it, coming, but I was like was not how they got yeah. it was a part of me that was like, you could absolutely have gotten to this place, but you needed more runway to get there. You were just hoppity hop, pop, hop. Daenerys killed, like murdered all of King's Landing and then John murdered her and it meant absolutely nothing that he was a Targaryen. And then at the very what end, do you mean that meant nothing? And then Bran is the king and then- And then Bran the unbroken? Did I ask for that? I did not ask for that. And then and then it seems as if he played them the whole time because he can, because we clearly see with Hodor, he can manipulate time. So did he play them the whole time? He and had information that-, that... The most is Arya. Mm-hmm. Yes, she had her moment with um, with killing the Night King, but her whole season, like that's the thing that that's the storyline that pisses me off the most because we saw her, which is a really boring storyline where she was with the um, the faces. And yeah, she did the whole thing where she went blind, None and that, that meant nothing. Meant anything? She yeah. could run fast and quiet. That's what you're saying. She learned. What would have been dope would have been had she had taken one of the White Walkers' faces. And then hmm. killed him like that. Because you know she could do the face swap thing? Oh, how I dope if she could would do that, that with... How dope would that have been hmm. had she been like his second in command? Because there was the Night King, then there was the guy with the long hair that was always with him. Yeah. How dope would that have been about the last second, right before he's about to stab Bran, she came in and stabbed him and you're like, what the hell? It's Arya. That would have been dope. Well, I, I think the way that she killed him was dope. My missed opportunity was, was her and Cersei. I felt like oh, we were yeah. owed that. We were owed her battling Cersei. And if she had come in Jamie's face or something, whew, like a, that would have been dope. No, Cersei deserved to be killed by somebody. By not by a rock. Not by some rocks. Yeah. And then a at rock? the end, like Jay, and also Jamie. Jamie, but, his character I assassination. Like, I like that he fought what's his face. I like that Jamie was the guy to kill um the uh, the pirate dude. I hated him. He was the worst. Oh yeah, I hated yeah, him. I'm glad that Jamie got to kill him. Kind of, I can't remember what happened to him at the end. I think Jamie did kill him. Maybe he got swept into the ocean. I don't remember, but that was cool. But Jamie yeah. dying with Cersei made sense. I was like, okay, cool. I get why they're. Tra- I could understand what they thought they were giving to us. I didn't take it that way, but I saw where their mindset kind of might have been. But it was disrespectful to let some rocks kill Cersei. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And that's why I feel like it was not fan service because it really seemed like an f you to the okay fans. you know okay fine you know what okay <laughs> then okay fine we won't say game of sir game of so three service. episode three when they kill the night king was to some degree fan service it was it was although i just it the way that john john's big moment 
was killing um Daenerys yes. was his big moment in three, four, five, and six because he didn't really have any big moments in the in the battle. He almost died. So several times. Several times. <laughs> and I was just like this. Oh. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, you know what? Are, are you a Star Wars fan? No. Okay. Well, I okay, then a better ep- a, a better definition of attempting to do fan service and going poorly would be for me, would be episode nine of Star Wars big Star Wars fan wearing a Darth Vader sweater right now. Star Wars, I think what their issue was, a lot of fans didn't like the seven, the eighth movie. People were mad about that. And so what I felt they tried to do with the ninth one was they were trying to be like, okay, you didn't like the ninth, you didn't like the eighth one. So we're going to give you everything we think you'll like for the ninth one. And then it backfired even more. And that's that to bringing it back to the idea. You can't write from trying to please everybody. You have to do it honest justification for your characters mm-hmm. and i think you more so i think what i'm coming to the realization right now is you can't write for an audience you have to write for your characters to yeah. make sure you're giving them an honest experience yeah Which yeah because like, this is their lives this is their lives and it's interesting that you get to create that mm-hmm. that's the best part what do you okay so what do you like most about writing? Is it the idea of being able to create the world? Is it the idea of being able to write the dialogue? What is it for you? Mm. I, I kind of think it's just the overarching story, although I, I do enjoy dialogue. And that's usually when, when I have people read my scripts, um, they're, they're compliment, they're, they're, they have their critiques, but they're always like the dialogue is like, but you know, and so I, I think it's telling just the overarching story. It's, it's, I always think about the fact that I, I loved Barbies. And so I used to just tell whole stories with my Barbies and I was every character because I was an only child. Um, I didn't play with Barbies, but I feel you there with that though. Yeah, like you, you, enjoy, you enjoy just telling that bigger story and then kind of digging down like mm-hmm. into the meal. Um, I think that's, that's my favorite part. Yeah. I think for me, I think... I definitely think they're creating the, to your point, the whole overarching story, but I like figuring out how to get, because a lot of the times I, I like to start with how I want to end it, or I like mm-hmm. to, I like to think about where, I, how I want to end it. And I always, and I always, when I write, I know how I want things to end. I'm like, okay, I want, by the end, they're going to get here. I know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how, then I like to work backwards. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, if they're ending up here by episode blank to blank, how do they get there? That's my favorite thing is the working backwards portion of it. Mm-hmm. because it's um because then it becomes because then there's so many options yeah I love that and I love playing with ideas and being like okay cool we could do this but no no let's try that and then I love the um and I think my least favorite part is writing dialogue because that's where I get into my head the most because I always mm-hmm. try to make it sound conversational because I think you can tell when writers I think for me, at least, I can tell when I watch a movie or something, I was like, this isn't conversational. This doesn't feel like how people would talk. Mm. And some of the best movies for me feel like that I'm just watching a conversation between normal human beings. And I, and I feel a lot of pressure to get that. So that's really mm-hmm. hard for me. But I think that creating the story in the world is super fun for me. And like how we get, how do we get to where we need to end up at? I think that's my favorite part. So you're a person that you have to have 
the like the kings the kings um they always knew that they wanted the series to start and end with a slap and there are a lot of feelings about how that finale went <sighs> yeah it was funny um, christine baranski and um i forget her name oh julian mar i'm not gonna margulies margulies yeah there you go thank you uh -huh. They said the um, they were on. They did their press circuit right before the last episode. They were like, people are either going to love this last episode or hate it. And yes, I, I definitely was not the biggest fan of the finale. I was not, and, yeah. and I, I remember they wrote a letter to the fans. They did. The, oh. the Kings wrote a letter to the fans. Yeah, explaining. Yeah, and they and they and I think they did interviews after the fact to say that. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, Juliana Margulies and, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's characters, they wrote, they had, they, they realized um, in the early cut that it was a little unfinished. And so they were trying to get Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Juliana Margulies back to LA to film another scene to actually tidy that storyline oh, instead of it ending where it ended. But he oh, was wow. at Walking Dead and he couldn't find the time in his schedule. Mm. And you know so, funny? they actually tried to bring her back for the good fight. Did you ever? And they didn't want to pay her her serious regular like, money. I'm not coming back. She, yeah. and I was like, I'm kind of, I'm not mad at her. She was like, I built this house. You are going to pay me my worth. And they were trying yeah. to pay her like a regular guest star, and she was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, and I'm I sure they're going to figure it out. I'm sure they're going to figure it out. I mean, I hope they're going to figure it out, but I mean, stuff happens. It's like, um, actually, another example of that is um with the angel finale back in the day angel oh, buffy damn you watch some you your taste is all over the place gabby i didn't realize your tv tastes were this diverse oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're yes yes they are very very extensive buffy references okay let's go there okay oh i love buffy i Never love love buffy I, I respect the art of it i just it wasn't you know yeah it i was a i was a i was a big fan so and i always like to read about the behind the scenes so um in the finale of buffy angel um, who had been her boyfriend early on, and then they'd given David Boreanaz, David his own show, right? They gave him his, they gave him his own spinoff, Angel. And so they would have a couple crossovers, but they had a couple crossovers over the life of their shows. Um, he came back when she had a boyfriend and got into a fight with her boyfriend, and then she went over there, and then he came over when her mom died, and then I don't think she went back over there. But he came over in the finale to help her. And it was like this, there was kind of this big gesture. And so it was left kind of open-ended. Um, her journey was finished. The story, the Buffy story was pretty much complete. Buffy and Angel, they kind of left it up in the air about what happened. But it was a very, that was an example of a pretty fulfilling finale. So there was some drama um, with Angel and they were kind of always pushed to the limit about whether they knew that they were going to be picked up or not for the next for the next season it was mm. always late in the pickups when they would let them know so they tried to force CWWB to tell them if like earlier so they are could we write. getting picked up so we could so they could either write towards a series finale or write towards a season finale and they kept pushing and so they canceled the show so they yeah so and that's it also happened with a different world that's a that's a whole nother conversation i'm sure you've heard about that so angel um they wanted sarah michelle geller to come back like angel had gone to buffy and they wanted her to come back but she didn't have any gaps in her schedule and so by the time they figured out 
by the time she figured out that she had a day, it was too late and they couldn't do anything with it. And so there was kind of just this unfinished thing between Angel and Buffy that we never saw her again. They kind of had to work with, they saw her at a club in Italy and it was just a blonde girl dancing around with her back to the camera. So they, they didn't really get to, 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 to sew that story up. I don't remember how we got on this topic, but that was- We're talking about them not be um, finales that were sometimes kind of rushed. We yes, with the good, and, with the and good. so they, yeah, so the not fade away finale for Angel was was another example. Um, that's hard as a writer because, especially that whole idea. That's why I think writing for these Netflix shows are dope because you get you know what you're getting. They're like, okay, yeah. cool. Sometimes I mean, I imagine it sucks if it gets canceled after and you yeah. left it open. That sucks, but at least you get to have because a season of a show is ideally a story opening and closing there's always going to be ways for it to continue but typically a season finale is a, a it's like a chapter end mm -hmm. for some things but um the tv shows you never really know yeah and and the way that they do tv shows is so different like network versus um the streamers mm -hmm. because yeah. netflix considers a season the first season as a pilot there's mm -hmm. no they don't you know what i'm saying they don't give you like nine or give you the 13 and then the back nine that's not a thing they give you 10 episodes and then they decide at the end of those 10 episodes if mm -hmm. they're going to pick you up for a season two so it's like that's why we have that whole concept of if these winter finales and then the season finale because that's your front 13 and then your back nine mm -hmm. so it's like you know writing towards that story and when you don't know if you're going to have more time to tell the story it's like trying to make it as good as you can so that you get more story but also try to tell as complete a story you can if you don't it's get it and i feel for these writers and stuff especially when you sit with characters for years like it's different mm -hmm. when you write a movie when it's like you tell one story that takes place over a certain amount of time when you put it to bed when you write a tv show you're in with those characters for years Mm -hmm. and, I, and I love hearing about writers when they get a show like um, The Good Wife or a show like Parks and Rec that mm -hmm. you, you really get to sit with characters and they're so excited when they get those proper finales because yeah. writers get to build up to that I just I, I want to be able to do that one day where you create something mm -hmm. like Issa Rae right now probably feels about Insecure yeah because now that it's about to end how she's like I got to create this character and now I get to see it end I feel like that's a beautiful thing and I've never gotten to do mm -hmm. that yeah, and I really I can't wait for that day to come. I think it's just super exciting yeah. when you get to give your characters a proper send off, which a lot of writers mm -hmm. don't actually get to do. It is very true. Like the people of Veronica Mars, true. they kind of got screwed, and then ten years later they got revamped and then revamped again, and hopefully it stays that way. I am never going to watch that last movie because I know what happened, and I don't need. You that never watched the. You never life. finish it. The the no the, the Hulu no. stuff. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ever going to do it. No, no, you can't you watch do that. Every, but you watch I, everything up to it? I think I watched the original airing. I don't think I've ever watched the films. I There's some okay, stuff. No, no. Okay, so there's only one movie. So it goes the first three seasons that were on the UPN, that were on UPN, and then yeah. the last season was on CW. Uh-huh. Then it got canceled. Yeah. And then when I was in college, the movie came out, and that was 2014, mm -hmm. the movie came out. And then we didn't hear anything else about it. And then 2018, they did the series on Hulu. Yes. And I'm not going to watch it. I have a very... <laughs> I have... It's so good. There are things that I can and can't abide. Um, killing off the, the main love interest. Spoiler. 
is something that it's really difficult for me to abide. The I have had to suffer with with Derek having to be killed off because Patrick Dempsey wanted to go. That's that's been a struggle with me, and it still sits with me. And I will never watch that episode again. I I I heard that the third Sex in the City movie, Big was going to die in the first. 10, 20 minutes of the movie. Yes. They just the ri- the ri- with that show. I don't understand why. I, don't I am going to watch, I'm going to watch the, the yes. assuming that they're going to kill Kim Cattrall's character instead, I'm going to watch the, the, the reboot. Cause I just, I just want to see, I'm just, I'm so curious because I think that there's so much they could do if Samantha dies of breast cancer, or if she dies of COVID, then what does that spin them off to? What, how does that change the characters? Does it make Charlotte like less Upper East Side? Does it make Miranda want to get into pro bono work? Does it make Carrie like write a book on grief or like do these women start meeting, start somehow they're in a grief counseling group and meet some women outside of their, their bubble? Like does that, what stories does that create? Does that bring the men to- So the show can be diverse. Yes, yes, black woman. So it's you know we can have or three um, black women. How about yeah. it? Yeah. So I I will watch. Girlfriends show up and they have an episode. <laughs> when the girlfriends came on Blackish, I was like, "This is fulfilling my life right now." <laughs> That's yeah. That was that was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really I actually really enjoyed that. I actually think Blackish is very well done. I think it um, it's having the Modern Family effect though where it's lasting just a little bit too long, but I respect it because there's not many shows like it on television. So I'm like, you know what, mm-hmm. keep it going. The main cast is great. And Jennifer Lewis is just phenomenal, whatever she does. So I can't wait to see their show. House. Yeah, he, he's really doing a, like a, an ish universe. Old-ish, yeah. black-ish, grown-ish. Yeah. yeah. ish I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, it's a whole ish, all the ishes. Good for you, Kenya. Yeah. For you, Kenya Barris. I, yeah. Yeah, I want. Um, I I really I I'm I would like to give a push out there for um, um, more dark our darker skin black people. I don't really see many of them on the show. Yes, we'll say that. But I'm loving the diversity because there's lots, mm-hmm. and he's giving work to lots of black people. But mm-hmm. I'd love to see more darker skin people that are not supporting mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. We got Tika. She's we got beautiful. Tika. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'll take I'll take what we can get, but yeah. Yeah. But like that, like that idea, like when that, okay, so, you know, let me ask you a question. In your writing career, would you rather have like a drama, like Good Wife, where it's like super procedure, or would you rather have a show like Modern Family, Blackish, where like every episode you can kind of do your own thing? Good Wife. See, I think so. Me t- I think me too. Yeah. Like if I were to show you. I've read some yeah. of your stuff. I could. This. Oh, you have. Yeah, I've read some of your stuff, yeah. Yeah, so I like this is one of my books that I sit with, which is um, writing the TV drama series, and it's actually taken me a long time to acknowledge. This is one of the first books I bought, and yet I have been—I was trying to do half hours, and it didn't fit right. Not sitcoms, but like kind of your your cabler half hours that are kind of like Insecure is a yeah. Insecure is a comedy, but it's really a drama with some yeah. funny moments, and so or you're like you're. I may destroy you. I think has really, it really Embrace that me. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I, but I, I, I've always loved dramas. The shows that I, I have named thus far have all been all dramas been that I, that I love and that I study. And so that I've started to lean into that. It 
it feels more like home. And so those are, I want, I would love to create a prestige drama like The Good Fight that's mm-hmm. featuring, you know, lots and lots of black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very tightly written and and is a little high concepty, mm-hmm. not you know, not super high concept, but high concept. You know what I want to write? I want to write like a black kind of like a. Imagine if Black Wall Street had never been destroyed. I want to write a story like what would that look like in twenty twenty one nowadays, and like what that wealth and stuff would look like. It'd kind of be like a Showtime. What was that Showtime show that Kelsey Grammer did? Um, oh, um, House of Lies. Yeah, House something of, like that. We're just like Lies. one big- With big, Don Cheadle? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Like, kind of like that, like where it's one building, a rich ass company, but they're all black. And mm-hmm. just like that inner workings of stuff like that. Like, which I, cause I love seeing black wealthy people. Mm-hmm. I love seeing it. And then I love- yeah. And that I want to write something like that, where it's like an hour long drama. And then like, there's a family elements to it, but I really want to write something like that. That's really cool. But then also I want to write like a black Jane Austen type of thing. Bridgerton, she kind of stole my idea, but it's Shonda. She didn't steal your idea. She definitely did. I'm coming for you, Shonda. I'm just joking. No. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Those books have been around for like 15, 20 years. But yeah. (laughs) No, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I won't do it. But I really want to do like a black Jane Austen type of situation because I've always liked the idea of Pride and Prejudice. I think that whole idea is super dope, but but there's no black versions of it. So I want to see- Bridgerton is more mixed. I want to do like a full where everybody black. I support that. I support that fully. We'll be in attendance. Maybe you so might much. be in it. You are, you're also, listen. I could have you and Jaden some, um, what um, are they called? The, the, oh, the, with the, with the, the poofy. <laughs> the poofy skirts? Your big Pooping hair? Around on the skirts? Yeah, yeah, big hair. No bangs. The, the bangs on Bridgerton give me hives. But, but other than that, I'm totally down. <laughs> This has been a lot of fun, Gabby. I, I like it. It's so funny. It's I was telling you, I was trying to I was trying to prep Gabby and I was like, you know what, we're just gonna let it happen. Cause these conversations always start one way and then they never end up where I think they're gonna end up. But we always yeah. end up we always end up bringing it back, which is always nice. So I appreciate Yeah, that. a comfortable circle. Yeah. So I think my last question before we move on to the next section is as a writer, where do you feel like you are at right now as a writer? Like what's your next step? Like what are you trying to do? Well, besides the obvious, <laughs> like we're all trying to get like that big, yeah. Book. Like, what are you trying to do? Well, I have about seven, I actually wrote them down at the end of the year so that I could, and I have like a mirror. If you could see my room right now, there's a mirror. Um, my sliding mirrors along this one wall. And so I have written that on the mirrors. And I have seven ideas that I have been kind of turning over and over and over. And so there are two of two ideas that I have kind of soft pitched to people that are executive producers or are um, have contacts with scripted development folks. And they've been like, tell me more about that. When you finish that, can you give me the script so I can get it to the right people. And so, and that's because of Twitter. Um, and so that's, that's why I will always say if you use Twitter the right way, it, it can benefit. Yeah. It's networking and it can benefit you in so many ways. Can you throw out some some people to follow that you think would be good? Oh gosh. Um, there is a, uh, a, an organization called script pipeline. It's at script pipeline. Um, and they are a great group of folks. I'm actually going to be, 
um, a contributor on their, their website, but they have a couple um, screenwriting competitions and stuff, but they're also just, they do this um, on Fridays, they do a hashtag pipeline writers, which is just like a, and when we were able to go outside, we had in-person happy hours. Um, and so it's kind of like virtual happy hours. And that's how I've met a lot of people. Um, oh, whoa, and check one of these out and they're just open to Yeah. Hashtag pipeline writers and like, you know, they'll start topics. They do script pipeline, does giveaways. Um, and they partner to kind of get people where they need to be. Or you just never know who you're going to meet. Other writers that you can form writers groups with, people that have been produced, people that have not been produced. They've had a couple people that sold, one person just sold their script, I think late last year for seven figures. Um, so, and, and it's just, it's a great friendly group of people for the most part. You're always gonna have some bad apples, but it's like hundreds and thousands. They've now got one in New Zealand. They've now got one in UK um, at their appropriate times of day. But we do it on Fridays at five o'clock, hashtag pipeline writers. And you can just check the hashtag and follow along. Um, who else can I think of? Uh, Sam writes movies. I think it's Sam writes movies. He is wonderful and very kind. Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll make a list and I'll, maybe you can attach it in like the details yeah. or description or yeah, something. Yeah, so everyone check the details of this. We're going to yeah. out some, at the bottom there, we'll put some good people to follow mm -hmm. on Twitter. Sorry to put you yeah. on the spot, but I think that's- No, 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 no. You mentioned but that. I, yeah. I would start with script pipeline and that pipeline writers hashtag. And you can see like there are people tweeting from every kind of walk of life or like, like up and down the spectrum in terms of writing from the very new to the, um, to the, you know, advanced and I I just at the end of the year I donated like a $50 gift card which they matched for two they matched for two other people and I picked all black women and so that they can submit to the script competitions during the year as they're working on things so that's the kind of nice I like that, that they're doing so do you feel um okay so when you're on there do you feel like you go on now this is just me asking for me because I think it's good mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's gonna help somebody do you mm -hmm. feel like you um so when you're on there, do you feel like you, do you just like talk to people? Do you like, or do you do most of your networking in the networking events? Like, how does that work for you? Um, I just, I talk to people. It's, I, I would like to say, I think that this time last year, I was sitting at around 700 followers and now I'm at 1200 and that's due pretty much entirely to script pipeline. It's, it's due to meeting people um, every Friday on these these things and me like when I would when I would join the, the I mean, hashtag I when I one of these things is it just every Friday? Yeah, we just be tweeting. We do like and I and I'd, I'd walk into the room, but I like pick like a a gif like of New York like walking in from her. I love like I love New York heyday or flavor of love heyday, and I'm just I walk in and I say hey guys like. I'm working on an idea about X, Y, Z, tell me what you're working on or what's a song that's been stuck in your head while you're writing your scripts this week. And then you kind of, you end up having pithy conversations. That's how I've met people who have won competitions and I've been able to have chats with them. That's how I've met people who have read my work and given me feedback on it. That's how I've ended up in doing readings. Um, oh, there's this lady, uh, Kelly L. Krause. She is awesome. Those both with K's. Um, Kelly L. Krause. She has this screenwriters um, group that she does. And then as an actor, I've participated in, in the reads that they do. 
which is a great opportunity to meet people that you could potentially be in a writer's group with and also people that you could potentially help them with their work. And if it ever gets produced online, maybe they keep you in mind. You just never know. So I, I feel like I, between those hashtags and like I've met people that are just nice and people that just keep in touch. And that's kind of been a lifeline in, in this very weird year that we've had where we've been trapped in the house. Well, after this, I'm going to be hitting up my Twitter and adding some people there. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Do I follow you on Twitter? If not, we should change that. Scabby dabby do. Yeah, I definitely don't because I remember that. Yeah, I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that right after this. But um, oh. sorry, we got sidetracked. So where are you at as a writer right now? Where I'm, I'm at as a writer is that I am working on two scripts, one primarily because I actually submitted the pitch to Script Pipeline and um, I didn't win the competition that was going on, but I'm working to strengthen that pitch because it's it's gotten pretty good feedback and everyone that I've, everyone that's read it has been like, this is great, it just needs some tweaking and then you kind of got something here. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on redoing the pitch um, and an, a longer outline based on that and then writing that script. That's my kind of focus. Um, and then getting that in the hands of people who've asked to read my scripts and it's been a year since they asked me to read. So, um, so that's what I'm, I'm working on producing in, in my scripts and not letting my fear or my um, imposter syndrome get in the way. So, yeah. Been there. So I feel, I feel good. I feel good. I feel like I have strong ideas that people are interested in and it's about me not standing in my own way. And I think that this year and, and something about like the people that we've lost that, you know, that we lost Chadwick, that we lost Sicily. There's just something that it's like a little fire that it's like, I need to get to work. I need to stop um, lowering myself. And, and, and when people have already told me that they think my ideas are good and they would like to read them. And these people are in a position to change my life. And considering that I don't want to be doing public accounting for the rest of my life, I should probably take advantage of those opportunities because clearly God has placed people in my life. He has assembled a group of people around me to, for me to move forward. And so I have to have faith in that and in what he's placed in me in order to move forward. So I say all that to say, I feel good as a writer. I feel like I'm working on ideas that matter that are going to be something new and fresh and that um, when I finish them, that there are people that are going to want to help me to move them forward. I love that. I answered the question. That's, yeah, no, that's dope. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot, sometimes we, we really just kind of have to have faith in the moment mm -hmm. and have faith that we have everything in us to continue <laughs> forward and just go, like, and just do the thing and just 100%. not worry about it and just go and just yeah. do, tell the story that God put in your heart and just do it and know that everything will work itself out. And it's hard, yeah. but sometimes you got to do it. You have to. I'm I'm 100% with you. I had to do that. I had to push myself to be there. So yeah. I'm 100% we're in the same boat. Yeah, you are. And you did it. You're putting um, yourself out there. It. Doing it. Doing it. Doing it. And do. Yeah. It's never going to be done. Um, I, I did. Yeah. But granted, I, I, I was able, my story, the stories that I've created, I've been able to do by myself. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed in that moment. But I'm, I know that the other ideas I'm working on right now, I'm not gonna be able to do by myself and I won't just be able to put mm -hmm. them up, film them on Zoom. So it's gonna, it's gonna take a lot of that same energy you were t just talking about. So you like preaching yeah. in this moment. So love hearing it. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. 
So Gabby, we're going to move to our last section of the day. We're going to do like okay. a hot seat section type of situation. Okay. So as okay. I warned you about, I'm going to ask you a series of nine questions. And okay. does not know what they are, as our audiences know. But all I ask is that you answer them honestly, okay? I'm not going to ask you anything that will embarrass you or anything. But okay. You trust me? You ready? Yes. <laughs> she didn't want to say that. She was like, no. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're I suppose. Ready. Okay, you ready? Okay. Yes. Do this. Okay. Number one, favorite TV show you've binged in the past month? Bridgerton. I did not expect that. It was Bridgerton. I've watched it at least five times all the way through. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. It, it might also be because of reggae John Page, because that man is fine. Uh, but but I, 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 I'm I a Shonda fan, so I was waiting for new Shonda, so. Mm. And Chris Van Dusen, who actually uh, wrote the show, so. Feel that, feel that. Okay, favorite place to write? My bed. Me too. I'm yeah. My thoughts, I feel that. Yeah, by yeah. a window. Yo, same. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to, I need fresh air and I've got to be able to see. I need I, light. I like natural light in front of me when I write. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay follow-up question. This is not part of the nine. Favorite time to write? Late in the midnight hour when God turns it around. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, my, my, I burn my midnight oil at like nine to like midnight. That's like my sweet spot. Yeah, my brain will suddenly start popping with ideas about one or two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this is fine, it will do. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that because I always have to be up for work, but I feel that. No, I do too. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that that's what happens. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not saying I enjoy it, but it is. Yeah, a... but it is. It is what it is. Like a 9 to nine to 2 a.m. and then I get tired and then sometimes I like to write early in the morning before like my roommate's up or my cat has woken up. It's just like stuff will come to me and I'm like, maybe it's because I'm quiet and God can speak. Maybe that's it. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Best advice you've ever been given? gonna be so funny it's fair to keep a spare now she was talking about men but i think that it's applicable in a lot of facets of your life because you should always have a, a backup idea as a writer they're like you should have one script you should have multiple scripts because they're going to be like well do you have anything else and you need to be able to say yes or as an actor you need to always be working you need to always be in classes you know more than one class if you can afford it or, or have the time to do it um so it's fair to keep a spare it works so many places but also with men <laughs> okay question number four dream collab Dream collab, oh God, acting or writing, or can I do both? Doesn't matter. Acting is Carrie Washington. Um, writing is, it's, it's Shonda Rhimes. I would love to be, Shonda Rhimes or Ava DuVernay. I would do, I would want Shonda Rhimes and Aaron Sorkin. Oh, Aaron Sorkin, yeah. I would want Shonda Rhimes to be my executive producer and then Aaron Sorkin to be the writer. But, and I would say Shonda Rhimes be executive producer because I know she would have a big shape in the story too. Yeah. But I'd want, I'd, want a, I'd want Aaron Sorkin to write it. But I'd want her to be in charge of like the story and how it all comes together. But yeah, I would do those two together. I, I, I would want to I would want to write it and, and start it, but I would like Shonda to, I would like Shonda to, to executive produce it and help with, you know, like editing the story and stuff. And I also would like Debbie Allen to direct if it's TV, Ava DuVernay if it's film. Yeah, I would do if I if it was TV, I'd want um, 
think I had one um, person's name slipping my mind right now, but it's a fem- it's the fem- it's the female director from Little Fires Everywhere. And oh. I say that, and it wasn't, and I forget exactly what yeah. the person's name was. I say that because she did an interview. I can't, well, one, I don't know if it was the director or one of the directors, but I forgot her name. But she did an interview, and just the way she talked about that story, I was like, oh, you, the, you, you get yeah. this on a deeper level than a lot of people who do a limited series. Yeah, yeah it was her. Yes. I her name, and I apologize. It's Lynn Shelton, or it's um, Ndinga Stewart. She did a couple episodes as well. And Zynga's probably black. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whoever that person is, her, and I'm pretty sure she was black. Her, just the way she talked about the show, just super, just really inspired me. And I was like, yeah, I want to work with you. Okay. So while we figure that out, I have another question for you. Okay. I can tell you still work <laughs> Okay. Best quarantine find. It's the best thing you found during quarantine best quarantine find there's this show on netflix that's been canceled now unfortunately but kadeem hardison was in it teenage bounty hunters oh i've heard of it it was a quirky little show and i'm sad that it's gone um is that the best find is that the best find i need to come back to that one let me think about that one okay we'll come back we'll come back okay question number seven or no six best vacation spot I'm like where are you going after all this is done dubai Ooh, okay. i went to dubai on a glitch flight back in 2014 what's that and oh so uh 2015 so there was a glitch on the website and so i got round trip tickets to dubai for 250 dollars oh that's dope yeah um it was beautiful there's so much money over there they have beaches and stuff man-made beaches and stuff and then the shopping malls are incredible I, I, went, I found a garrett's popcorn in a mall there I, the first meal i had there was popeyes um which was an experience it was just really beautiful and it was really nice to be in another culture um the only thing that was a that was a thing was that a lot of women come over from africa as prostitutes and so i because i wasn't there with a the man i got a lot of long stares um yeah, that was interesting. But I, I would love to go to Dubai or Jamaica. I've never been, and I feel like I would love to be immersed in just blackness in a tropical locale. I'm thinking when this is done, I'm either going to go to Hawaii or Jamaica. I've been to Hawaii before, but Hawaii is so damn big that there's always somewhere new that you can go. But, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking Hawaii or Jamaica, but I'm definitely going somewhere tropical. I'm tired of Yeah. Uh, I want to I sit. I just want to lay in the ocean mm-hmm. with some turtles. Yeah. yeah. I feel you on the Jamaica thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question number seven. You get a chance to have any director direct your first published writing piece. Who are you choosing? I, we kind of already answered this, but you can answer again. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm, wait, hold on. I, I oh, no, said, you said... You said TV for Debbie Allen and then movie... Ava, Ava, Ava DuVernay for, for film, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay, um, totally random. Question number eight. Favorite moment as a cat mom? Gabby's a cat mom. You didn't know. Oh my gosh. No, you did mention your cat once. What's your favorite yeah. moment as a cat mom? Um, Sasha used to, when she was a baby, she was younger, she's probably like one or two. When I would pick her up, I she would bite my nose like a kiss. She used to just like nip the tip of my nose and then she'd lick it. And it was the cutest little thing. Um, and also I put her in a sock once, but she's always had a big butt. So 
just like a big cat butt in a, in a sock. Um, oh, that's hard. She's, she used to sleep in my purses. Um, she used to climb me when I was like, when she was little, she used to like just climb like up my leg. Uh, like if I was wearing full pants, full pants, obviously. She, so I would have to hold her. Um, so sorry, that was like six. I really love my cat. She's- There's nothing wrong with her. Yeah, or a, a kind of a sad moment, but a really sweet moment was I was having a panic attack the night before I moved, anxiety attack the night before I moved to LA. And she got up on the bed and she came and sat next to me, like the length of her body, she sat next to me and she kind of just purred until I calmed down. And then I calmed down, she got up, she left. Animals Animals know. can tell. Animals know. They know. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, we go back to another question before I ask to finish up the last one. Okay, okay. what um, did you say was your best quarantine find? You're still thinking. Oh, crap. Quarantine find. Best quarantine find. It is. I mean, if, if Teenage Bounty Hunter came to mind, it might just be that. I mean, it was so quirky and weird, and I really just feel really strongly about Kadeem Hardison, like, as a set, as an institution. I found a Chicago pizza rep in Sherman Oaks, and it tastes like home. And I found out that there was a, I thought finding out that there's Chicago food places in LA has been one of my favorite quarantine finds. That's what I'll go with because I've been homesick for food and I couldn't, and I didn't go home for nine months, which is the longest I've ever not been in Chicago. And I didn't go home for the holidays, which is the first time in my life. I've never been with my mom at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I found a Portillo's and I found a uh, a pizza place in Sherman Oaks. Uh, I think it was a Geno's East. That's one of my favorite quarantine finds. That's dope. Oh yeah. Okay, last question. The goal of writing is to? The goal of writing is to tell honest, heartfelt stories that move people to do something. I love that. Well, Gabby, you did it. That was it. That was nine questions. That was easy. Yay! That, that was, was totally easy. Gabby, thank you so much. This is, a, as usual, I'm all, I always have a great time with whoever I am. I come with and I feel like today was uh, was definitely not an exception to that rule. I had such a good time talking to you. It was such a good time like hearing where you're at as a writer and just getting to talk about like other TV shows and other things that inspire us as writers. And I hope that this episode just inspires other people. If you want to write, write. If you want to do something, just do it. Like me and Gabby are perfect testaments to that. Like we weren't always writers in the sense that we do it now, but we just kind of woke up one day and started doing it and you can do the same. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah, do, it, do what you want. There's a there's one book, one of the books that I've I've read. I think it's like you. They always say you have to know the rules before you break them. Mm-hmm. But figure out what the rules are. Get books, like get books. Take classes. There's free screenwriting classes on um, Coursera. There's one at Michigan State that I took early on. Mm-hmm. Like, and just figure it out. Get scripts and study the scripts. That also helps study the scripts and then I mimic the scripts. Breaking Bad pilot just I, I've never used I, I've never written anything like that but I just studied how he wrote that and and I use some of those elements yeah the writing elements in scripts going forward just like how to shape what I write so yeah yeah and there's a lot of free stuff variety if you sign up online like for register for variety they do events throughout the year that are free events that you can listen to executive producers and directors and writers and actors talk about their craft and how they develop the stories that they tell. There's tons and tons of free stuff out there. There's stuff on Clubhouse now. Like, so. And Gabby hooked me up. So thank you for that, by the way. 
<laughs> no problem. You know, I'm the connect. I'm the plug. So I'm funny. The... I remember it was, uh, this is a black thing I'm about to say. I had signed up that morning. I had signed up that, you know, that afternoon. Then all of a sudden I was in the Popeye's drive through and I said, all of a sudden I get a text message. Gabrielle Gulich has added you to, um, to Clubhouse. And I was like, damn, this is so black, but I'm going to take it. It was like, because Clubhouse yeah. is all black. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm in line to get chicken. I was like, yeah. yeah. See, now I got to go to Popeye's. So thanks for that. Popeye's is bomb. I, I was going to go for sushi, but you're going to make me make a terrible decision. Popeyes I'm praying on it. Bomb. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But sushi's also like bomb too, but Popeye's is, yeah. Popeye's is bomb. A good fried chicken, a good crunch. Yeah. And you know, it's not even black to like fried chicken. Everybody does, everybody likes Everybody it. likes fried chicken. People that don't like fried chicken, you they just try to use tofu. They yeah. try to use it against us, but everyone likes fried chicken. Right. They do. Yeah, it is what it is. So anyway, whatever. thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So guys. happy. So happy to be here. Um, yeah. You could be anywhere else, but you're here today. So I appreciate you being here. So Gabby, before we wrap up fully, before, um, we were about to do this, but then we started talking about chicken and clubhouse. Mm -hmm. and we yeah. There, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a podcast. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But um, what's the thing you want to leave our audiences with before you say goodbye? Whatever you do, do it full out. Do it to the best of your ability and do it because you want to, because there's nothing else that you would rather do. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you are being true to who you are, as long as you're using the gifts that God gave you, do it and, and do it like you mean it. Yeah. I ain't got nothing else to say after that. Well, thank you so much, Gabby. Um, thank you for everyone listening okay. out there. Um, if you have not heard, my new series, A Love Like This, has premiered. Um, I think when this comes out, a couple episodes should be out. I think three, maybe, or maybe, yeah, some. There will be episodes out. So um, check them out, YouTube, um, I Love Like This series, Facebook, I Love Like This series, Instagram, I Love Like This series, basically anywhere the social media, you can find us, check it out, tell a friend, um, check it out. I think you guys will like it. It's a black love story. It's been getting really good reviews so far. So yeah, so thank you everyone out there. Um, thank you, Gabby, for being here. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time. Hope you did as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye.